You wanna play us in? <coughs> Nicholas's cage. We are officially locking ourselves inside. Inside the cage. Inside. Oh, sorry. Oh, did I say outside? No. Inside? Oh, inside the cage. Deep inside the cage. Where it's nice and warm. Sticky. Gross. <laughs> so I thought I'd start this episode because, um, right. So this week we are talking about Adaptation is the movie that we saw this week. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to... I had a really hard time thinking of how to connect that movie with, like, Cage's actual life. So I'm going to basically just steal the talk that I went to. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to this really awesome talk about N- Nicolas Cage, um, basically trying to say whether... Definitively, definitively whether or not he's a good actor or a bad actor. He's a good actor. He's a good actor, I agree. So uh, I'm going to spend this episode um, just shouting at you why he is a good actor. Even though you agree with me, but this is for all the people who don't. Um, So I'm trying to think. I can never remember the order of stuff if I do the movie first or if I do the other stuff first. But I think since I don't have that much on the movie, yeah, I'm going to do the movie first. Um, so just a quick, so again, yeah, we watched Adaptation, this is 2002, I think we can do a summary. It's a screenwriter. Yeah, Cage. trying to write an adaptation of a boring book. Yeah, called The Orchid Thief. Yeah, about flowers, about orchids. Yep. And as he's doing this, his brother, who's an idiot. Also played by Cage. Also played by Cage, uh, wants to write his own screenplay. Yeah. But he wants to do a Hollywood, you know, typical blockbuster. Blockbuster, mm. and Cage is the like bitter academic type mm. that's like trying to do the artistic, you mm-hmm. know, integrity mm-hmm. thing. But obviously, it's not working. He can't it's not think working, it. and he becomes like obsessed with like the the book that he's trying to adapt, mm-hmm. and it becomes like it flips between the book that he's adapting between him writing it, yeah. There's a bunch of but different storylines. Like, then it kind of merges together where like he becomes obsessed with her and mm-hmm. then tries to find her in real life. Yeah. But it's basically And Meryl Streep plays the author of the book. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like it's like so the whole thing of it is like that it's he wants to write uh, a movie full of integrity that's just about flowers mm. and about emotions. Mm. And the brother wants to write an action schlock film with mm-hmm. car chases. And he can't decide how to write a movie. He's got art block. block. Yep. But the movie you're watching mm-hmm. is the movie that he's writing. Yep. And it starts off as his movie and it kind of ends as his brother's movie. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was really cool. And I kind of wanted it Agreed. to like end in like a, 
even like one step further more of like meta-ness where like it would zoom out on them oh yeah i forgot watching, you mentioned like, that yeah i was like it, the film would be better if it ended and then it zoomed out and they were at like a theater yeah we talked watching about this when we were watching it, it and then yeah. like they turned around they were like so how what did you think oh yeah movie? like at the screening room yeah, or yeah. something like, that would have been like an extra step of it but i just felt like I just related way too much to that movie and it was really depressing. Yeah, no, that's exactly why, that's exactly what I put. So I put, um, that it was, it was honestly like at, right after watching the film and like during the film, I, I just wasn't enjoying it just because it was literally like watching myself in a panic attack. You know what I mean? Like it was literally like <laughs> watching it on screen, the voices in my head. So it was just kind of like, oh, this is too real. I'm a walking cliche. I really need to go to the doctor, have my leg checked. There's something wrong. A bump. The dentist called again. I'm way overdue. If I stopped putting things off, I would be happier. All I do is sit on my fat ass. But yeah, the more that I thought about it and the more research I did for the episode, like I was just like, you know, I'd like to watch it again now that I know exactly what's going to happen so I can kind of like prepare myself. But um, it's really cool and it's really like, I wish what I would do for this, for them to still be making. I mean, 2002, that wasn't that long ago. Why aren't, why aren't we making movies like this anymore? Like, why aren't we making movies that are, confu- like, you know, different and, like, you know, that you have to kind of think about it for two, se- for two seconds? I guess that's they, original. they are, but not, like, huge blockbusters. But I get, you know, you got Mandy now that's coming out. Yeah, you that's know, true. Got, um... But if Nicolas Cage wasn't in that, would that be as big as it, you know what I mean? I don't know. But, I mean, there are movies coming out. It's just obviously not what the general public yeah. likes. But that's the whole point of that movie is that, like, the the guy that wants to write the good thing mm. that that is academically good mm. is failing and is a mess yeah and yeah is a failure and the guy that wants to write the general audience just dumb wants to make the money money making thing yeah. is the successful one mm-hmm. and like as a not you might not know this about me, but I'm a comic writer, artist, and writer. Like you said that, so you may not know this about me. <laughs> but but uh, uh, I felt like I do enjoy it. Was holding a mirror up to myself, and I was yeah. like, "Oh no, <laughs> I'm Cage in this, and I'm the pathetic failure artist. Cage, mm. and all the people that I think are idiots are actually the successful." Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you know. I feel like most artists feel that way, you know, and it was like, yeah, I don't, yeah, it was very sobering. It was just, yeah, it was just like I feel like a lot of it. We we were just sort of sat in silence, just like Mm. maybe it's my brain chemistry. Maybe that's what's wrong with me. Bad chemistry. All my problems and anxiety can be reduced to a chemical imbalance or some kind of misfiring synapses. I need to get help for that. But I'll still be ugly though. Nothing's gonna change that. I'm gonna hit you with some things that were actually true. Yeah, because you can imagine, so you're watching this movie as Cage being a writer, mm-hmm. but if you replace Cage with the actual writer of the movie, mm-hmm. is this just what the writer was going through yes. when he was trying to think of what movie to write? You know? So, turns out, The Orchid Thief, the book, is an actual real book. Oh, wow. It's a real book. And the author is a real person, and LaRoche is a real person. It's all real. That's crazy. I just need to lie down while you explain this to me. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. Okay, go ahead. Um, and Kaufman was actually trying to adapt this book about orchids into a movie. And, and he was this having is the movie he made. Exactly. He was having it. a really hard time doing it, just like Cage does in the movie at the beginning. And just like Cage eventually realizes, like, oh, I'm just going to put myself in this movie. Um, or I'm going to make the movie about making the movie. He does the same thing. 
and he invents the twin brother. So he doesn't actually have a twin brother in real yeah, life. Yeah. But it is funny because the movie is dedicated to <laughs> Donald Kaufman, which is a, <laughs> who's a made-up character. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he makes up Cage's character. Is the writer actually called Kaufman? Charlie Kaufman, yeah. Oh, so he's That's actually actual written name. about himself. Yes. Okay. We're going to solve the whole Charlie Kaufman mess for once and for all. Okay. So, yeah. Like I said, he makes up the twin brother in the film, which thank God he does, because honestly, I love the double dose of Cage. I love the scenes where yeah, Cage is so talking good. to himself. And you really like forget halfway through the film that, that, he's, he's, that it's him. That he's talking to, to himself. himself. You, you think that like... He's so good at playing both of the... Both brothers as like really individual people with their own personalities and their own way of thinking and their own like just whole like way that they're, they carry themselves that you do forget halfway through that yeah, like yeah. it's just Cage talking to himself. My genre's thriller. What's yours? You and I share the same DNA. Is there anything more lovely than that? What'd you say, bro? Um, and just like Alex, Alice says, the film in the end is set up, you know, with, uh, like the two dueling Kaufman twins, the two voices inside Charlie Kaufman's real mind, you know, the artistic side and then the side just trying to make some money and, you know, be yeah. successful and, and do the easy thing. Um, so that's how he, that's why he put them both in there and that's why he made the movie the way he did is because... It's the best of both. Yeah. And too, it probably relates on, even on another level to like what... I mean, we don't know what his original version of his script was, so it might have been more like whatever out there. And then the studio was like, no, 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 we need to put this, this, and this in there. And then but that came up with a really adds clever to the ending. way mm -hmm. of making it more I agree. Hollywood, whereas it's still it's Hollywood, it's fun, and all the crazy stuffs happening, yeah. and it's like chases and stuff. But it's still like it's really meta, like it's yeah. still weird. It's yeah. not like in a typical. Where it's not a typical no. movie. So. And that's exactly what I mean about this movie. It's like one of those movies where the more you think about it, I think the more you enjoy it yeah. than when you actually first watch it. It's kind of like the... I mean, well, nothing can compare to The Big Lebowski to me, so I'm not even comparing this, but I mean... Oh, I think... It's the same thing where like I watched it and I was like, I don't really get it. And then the more I thought about it, I was just like, wait a minute, this movie's hilarious. And yeah. then I watched it again and I was like, oh, yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just a little slow. I've written myself into my screenplay. That's kind of weird, huh? It's self-indulgent. It's narcissistic. It's solipsistic. It's pathetic. I'm pathetic. I'm fat and pathetic. Um, so yeah, the first half is essential, weird, um, while the second half is just like big budget thriller with gunfights and Meryl Streep, spoiler alert, doing weird orchid drugs. And... There, there is a sex scene between Meryl Streep and, <gasps> and Nicolas, Nicolas Cage. Cage. I just have to say, Meryl, what are you doing? <laughs> Meryl! Meryl! I cannot believe she put her mouth on Nicolas Cage's mouth. Like, it's one thing for them to be in the same movie together, but it's a whole other thing entirely to see them make out. What I wanted was to see this thing that people were drawn to in such a singular and powerful way. Nicolas Cage has had some hot, like, women uh, flings in his movies. I mean, you know? we've, like, we've talked about this every single time. <laughs> Every single time. Every movie he's in, he's he's with someone. But it makes sense in the film because it's like he's imagining it. It's yeah. not like actually happening. Yes. He's just like... I'll, I'll give you that. Like, he becomes a stalker, basically. And I just I just wonder what Meryl thought. Like, oh. She was like, ugh. I would love She'll to... She'll do anything for the for the Oscar, you know? <laughs> I feel like... I hope they get... I hope they got along. I would love to see them 
interact. interacting would be weird. What would like, they talk about? She would just. I feel like she'd just be, be so confused. <laughs> like, she wouldn't be able to understand anything he's saying. Like, could he hold a conversation with Meryl Streep? I mean, yeah. oh, I'm sure. But I don't know. I would like to see them do like a YouTube show what? together. You know? they make, like, a <laughs> what topic would they talk about? Okay, Probably so... like opera. Oh, yeah. See, I mean, that's what I mean. Nick Cage has some, some up there, upper crust. Um, yeah. Plus, you know, we forget his dad was a, I think, both of his parents. I, I know his dad for sure was like a professor or something. Mm. So he's a well-read guy. Anyway. So, um, you may be thinking if you didn't know that The Orphan Thief was actually a real book and the author was real, you may be thinking, why the hell did they ever <laughs> let him Agreed make this movie? It. Because, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Hi, Thomas. Oh, okay. No, hello. Um, because, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, uh, at the end, the author of the book and the subject of the book that she was writing get together and they have this whole weird, like, uh, affair. I don't even remember that. What? Yeah. Remember oh, when yeah, Kate, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking oh, I was thinking of Cage. No, 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 yeah, no. Yeah. Her and, and, and the guy, LaRoche, who, she, yeah, yeah. who the, she's written the book about. That did not happen oh, yeah, in real life. Oh, yeah, because we forgot that there's, like, another level yes. of meta-ness where he's writing a book about her. No, he's writing who, a screenplay. He's writing a screenplay about her who whose book is her writing a book about a guy. About a guy, yeah. So it's like, yeah. They're both, yeah, they're both obsessed with the people that they're writing yeah, their yeah. thing about. And she takes it one step further with, you know, starting this relationship with this guy. Um, that did not happen. That is not real. That didn't happen in real life. Yeah. And yes, both of them had to kind of sign off on it. And at first, the author was not happy about that. She was just like, this is not good. But over the years, I read an interview where she said that um, now she, like, loves the movie. And she's totally, like, if they hadn't have done it this way, like, she's not sure how else it would have been, been done. done and, yeah. Yeah. Because it, it is such a challenge to be given that source material and be like, how do I make this interesting? Agreed. And I, I just think he's he done it in such an best, interesting way. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's literally the best thing I could come up with to make it interesting, you know? And it's so, like, unexpected. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, fun fact. Uh, I can't remember her first name, but her last name, Orlean, um, the author of the actual book, she made a, an appearance in the movie. She's... In the scene where Cage's Charlie is trying to ask out that waitress, he's like yeah, failing yeah, horribly. Yeah. I'm going up to Santa Barbara this Saturday for an orchid show, and I and I, I. Oh. I'm sorry. Well, um. I apologize. So I'll just be right back with your pie then. Um. Also, Robert McKee, um, the writing guru that his yeah. brother Donald goes to see is a real guy and like does real classes and stuff like that. <laughs> but it's that's too not meta to the point where know. these people aren't even actors anymore. It's just their lives. Well that's not actually him in the movie. Uh he suggested um he lobbied to have Brian Cox, a friend of his, portray him in the actual movie. But okay. Robert McKee is a real person with a real name. That's funny. Uh yeah. Mr. McKee Yes. I'm the guy you yelled it this morning. I need more. I'm the one who thought things didn't happen in life. Oh. Right. Okay. Nice to see. You. So yeah, this was 2002. It was not. It was not nominated for Best Picture, which I was a little surprised about. 
Yeah, considering I bring this up every episode, but compare that to Moonstruck. I'm very true. I mean, you're right. The Oscars are the sham. Whoever's yeah. who's who is Oscar? Who's in charge of? Yeah, Oscar doesn't know the what Huffpa, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Yeah. Well, they should get us on the board. <laughs> it would be so <laughs> weird. And the winner is this Paige, weird anime uh, from seven years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and also Nicolas Cage. <laughs> That's what we're missing. Why hasn't Nicholas? That's, that's exactly. Why is Nicholas Cage voice an anime? Why hasn't he done that? Yeah, true. But also, why hasn't Nicholas Cage um, uh, hosted an award show? He must have. No, everybody's like, oh, nobody watches the Oscars. Blah blah. blah. Get Nicholas Cage to host that shit. People would watch that. He's too much of a loose cannon. Like, yeah, but he, he made it watchable. Yeah, but they want to be able to like control the. Well, if freaking Gervais can do it, he Cage can do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it was nominated for best adapted screenplay, so. Uh, that's kind of funny. Um, because it's not really an adapted screenplay. <laughs> it just has a book in it that's real. Um, it was, obviously, Cage got his second nomination and did not win, which I cannot understand. Um, Meryl Streep was also nominated for Supporting Actress, and Chris Cooper, the guy, the LaRoche guy, was nominated for Supporting Actor and won. Okay. Yeah. It is a journey of evolution, adaptation, the journey we all take. The journey that unites each and every one of us. Um, so Spike Jones directed the film, although I think because Charlie Kaufman... Spike Jones directed... Yeah. Oh, that's, so that's why it's a good film. Yes. <laughs> I didn't even know Spike Jones directed Yes, man. Like, but I think... Uh, I think because Charlie Kaufman is such a, like, crazy writer and he's so unique, it's kind of hard to remember. Like, with a director like Spike Jones, it's hard to, like, even tell that he... Do you know what I mean? Like, that he yeah, had... Yeah. Any sort of stylistic. Well, I don't think. I think Spike Jones peaked at his uh, uh, dressing up as an old man. Jacket. <laughs> <laughs> He's having the... an Oscar for that. <laughs> that was nominated for like best makeup or something. Yeah. Like... <laughs> um, has a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. I really liked this movie. Like I said, at first I wasn't so sure when we were watching it, but now I definitely like to watch it again. That's for sure. I feel like as soon as I started, as soon as it was playing, I was like, oh no, I'm, I'm going to really like this because this is just a film I feel like about me. This is something that I would <laughs> I would have written, but not as good, obviously. This well, is I mean, like... technically, this is a this is a film you've already written because yeah, you did I mean, already do that in the comic. <laughs> <laughs> Far not as in-depth as this film, though. No, but I but thought yeah, it would have was... been perfect if it just zoomed out and had that one more bit of meta. I remember when to it. I know now that you mentioned it, I totally remember when you were talking about it, and I was a little like disappointed when it just ended. Yeah, I was expecting. It. I was like, "That's gonna happen. It's gonna happen." It's yeah. Gonna happen, but... Um, and I thought Cage was so. I can't get like I can't say it enough. Like he was so good in this movie. Like he's really good in Leaving Las Vegas, but I almost. I almost think he's a little bit better in this one. If I had yeah, to compare, no, he's, be- he's. I think he's better in this one as just a like he's serious so, actor yeah because he's so it's i'm i'm surprised that i'm saying this related to nicholas cage but it's actually really nuanced yeah yeah it's a really nuanced performance especially when he's playing two different people like the differences between the guys aren't like you know one is crazy and doing this all the time and you know it's not that big of a difference mm. but they still are completely different people yeah i think he did a really really good job in this movie do you think he was just like oh shit i'm working with Mel Streep. i better shape up I don't know. No, I think he he just knows when 
I to ham it up and when to like, actually take it seriously, mm-hmm. you know? Like, he, he has, con- depending on the context of the film, Very true. he knows what to do. Which is why I have high hopes for Mandy. Cause uh, I, I think cannot he's gonna, wait. He's going to, you know, cannot take that wait. one seriously, you know? Um, I just wanted to read this line that I found in an article that I can no longer remember. Oh, multiglom.com. <laughs> Multi-glom. <laughs> I think it's someone's like blog, but I have them, her name summarized. I'll say it later. But um, it says adaptation went for broke by casting Cage opposite himself in the dual roles of twin brothers, apparently vying with each other for the saddest hair in screen history. Yeah, that is true. That is true. The hair is like it is the like weirdest, ha- and I Cage has some weird haircuts. You know what we have to. This do? This is hands down the weirdest one. We have to come up with a definitive ranking of every cage hair. (laughs) Okay, for sure. There should be like a, we have to right now, but we should like, I'll put it on our website. I could do like, it could be a zine, you know, let's do it. Where it's just like cage hairstyles. Just the the outline of his hair. Yeah. Yeah. It's just different hairstyles and like, Oh, you could do like, you know how you do those paper dolls? We do. We put different hairstyles. on. We've agreed that the best, that number one is the one. What did, uh, 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 bringing out the, the dead the scorsese movie yeah that's his best hair he, in it that's honestly, the most that's normal the best looking hair cage looked in any movie this was pretty bad hair because it was just the mixture of the balding and the comb over it looks like, like a balding pube yeah 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 that's pretty bad what what's the worst but then you got con air that's like that's that's glorious though yeah but I don't know. We need to rank them. We got. It will take I, us hours to do. This. I agree because we'll because we will argue. <laughs> <laughs> but I, for me personally, I'm ranking adaptation as the worst hair because it's double hair. Both of them have it, and it is the weirdest. It's like it's like a weird curly, super curly, like Afro puff thing that's also balding at the same time. It's so weird. We it's like to... thin and thick. We need to make a zine where we draw. Well, I'll, I'll draw all of him in yeah, his different hairstyles, and we'll write like an essay underneath. Each we should one of name them each hairstyle, explaining why we think <laughs> that it should go into this like place and like why. Like it's got to be. I like, can do that. Like we have to be way too in depth about just he- just Nick Cage's hair, but like you have to treat it like it's an academic essay. Like. <laughs> I can do that. That that would just be my entire. <laughs> entire career in film school was just coming up with stupid <laughs> shit and trying to make it sound good. Do I have an original thought in my head? My bald head? Maybe if I were happier, my hair wouldn't be falling out. Um, did you... So normally what I do is I, like, look up, like, try to look up, like, fun trivia facts and stuff of this movie, but apparently typing adaptation into Google is very difficult to find yeah. facts about adaptation. So that's kind of all I have for the movie fact-wise. Did you want to say anything else about it? Um... Just go see it. Yeah, go see it. Yeah, for sure. I think um, both of the, like, serious Cage movies we've seen, like, the the ones where he's, like, where everybody, like, agrees, like, he did a really great job, have totally lived up to the hype. I thought Leaving Las Vegas was great. Yeah. And I think this movie is awesome. Yeah. Um, Okay, so, today I'm going to scream at you why Nicolas Cage is a thespian. A real thespian. Okay. Okay. So... Um, as we all know, a young 15-year-old Cage once shouted, I'll show you acting, to his uncle Francis Ford Coppola, after Uncle Francis wasn't keen on putting Cage in one of his movies. And so, this episode, I'm going to argue that Cage did exactly what he said he was going to do. He showed him acting, baby. (laughs) Um, so, yeah, I had, um, a really great time at this talk, uh, at the Watershed in Bristol, uh, last week, Sunday, yeah, last week. Um, called Go- Going Full Cage, 
and there was a lot of people there. It was weird to be in a room with, like, as many people that are, like, into cage as I am. Um, and I'm, yeah, I, I already said, but I'm gonna steal a lot of stuff from that, so, bye. <laughs> My leg hurts. I wonder if it's cancer. There's a bump. I'm starting to sweat. Let's stop sweating. I've got to stop sweating. Can she see it dripping down my forehead? Oh, she looked at my hairline. She thinks I'm bald. So first, we're gonna talk about his style. Um, so there's obviously Cage is amazing and has a lot of amazing quotes. So I'm just gonna go straight to him for the source. Um, just like Alice said, Cage makes choices, choices that he thinks about and makes on purpose. There's no, I feel like there's no, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Accident with Cage. No, he's not like a Tommy Wiseau, you know? No. Which I feel like people like compare him to yeah. where it's like, it's oh, not look the same how thing. crazy it is that he doesn't know that he's being crazy. No. No, he totally knows. Yeah. Okay. So, um, like this one exchange in an interview. So he talks a lot about his acting in interviews. A lot of people ask him about his over the top style and blah, 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 blah. So, um, he's talked about it a lot over the years, um, and in this exchange that involved none other than cancerous open sore, Sean Penn. <laughs> I hate Sean Penn. Anyway, I'm reminded of something Sean Penn, this is the, the person doing the interview, interview, interviewer, I guess. <laughs> okay, quote. I'm reminded of something Sean Penn said about Cage based on his prolific and populist output. Sean Penn said, quote, he's not an actor, he's a performer. Cage said, quote, in a way, I agree with him. Cage says, I would rather be, in a, be a performer than an actor. Acting, to me, implies lying. He's the greatest actor yeah. in the world is like saying he's the greatest liar in the world. To perform, in my opinion, is about emotion. True. Right? Bam. He just completely owned Sean Penn and like... Completely owned Sean Penn. Destroyed him. Destroyed him. Um, take that, Sean Penn. Suck a bag of dicks. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I always say this when we watch the movie, I think one of the reasons that Cage is so amazing is that you could literally give, you could line a million people up right now outside the door and give them the same line. And there, maybe a couple of them will re, you know, do something different, but nobody is going to make the same choice as Cage. But I also like the integrity it has where he knows this is a weird choice mm. and people are going to think I'm weird and most people won't get it. Nope. But I'm still going to do, do it. it anyway. And like, even yes. though I'm constantly getting critique about people memeing me and saying that I'm weird, I'm still going to be this way. I'm and I'm gonna going to do it at 200%. Yeah. And I'm still, and I'm, I'm not going to half-ass it. Like I'm going to. No. Oh, that is something you can never say about Kate. She does not half-ass anything. No. I mean, a couple of the what? movies he maybe did for a paycheck, you can see he's a little dead behind the eyes. Yeah, like but... the, like those ones. Oh, what was what was that one? Season of the Witch. Just... Yes. <laughs> Season <laughs> of the Witch. It's really bad. It's like, but um, you know, uh, he's human. But what you said, Alex, directly goes into my next point. It's like you read my mind. He totally knows what he's doing, and he knows what it makes him looking like, and he doesn't give a fuck what you think. He's gonna keep doing it anyway. Yeah, he he does it because he. Of his own belief system yes. of acting, you know. That's what a true integrity yes. is. So, here's another... But otherwise, <laughs> Vampire's Kiss wouldn't exist. Exactly! So how are you? Yeah, thanks. You know me, I'm ass. Here's another quote from the man himself. Who can say it better than Cage himself? So, quote, this is in reference to the Wicker Man. Uh, the issue with the Wicker Man is there's a need by some folks in the media to think that we're not in on the joke. 
but you don't go around doing the things the character does in a bear suit and know it's not absurd. It is absurd. Now, originally I wanted to play that cop with a, <laughs> now originally I wanted to play that cop with a handlebar mustache and like a really stiff suit and the producers wouldn't let me do it. <laughs> and then you would have known how in on it we were, Neil and myself, that was the director. The fact that that movie has been so lambasted means there's an inner trembling to, and power to that movie. It has become an electromagnetic movie, and so I love it. He loves like it. If they'd have listened to him, though, mm. and let him wear the handlebar mask, it would have been even better. It would have been better. Like, you should just not censor Kate. Just let him just do... Like, I agree. If I was writing a movie, writing a screenplay... Mm which I should one day, I should write a screenplay and I should have Cage read it and it should just be... Just whatever just, he wants. You just turn the camera on and you just see that's what the whole he screenplay does. Is and just that's page. the best Cage movie. Agreed. Just, just let him just go. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so this is the part where I could have gone back into film school and wrote a five-page essay on this <laughs> that I got a little too serious. But it's true. So if you take two minutes to watch any classic film, you'll notice the overacting of, like, old Hollywood film, you know, screen stars. People like um, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford and yeah. um, James Dean. Uh, they all had their moments in their in scenes where they let loose. And, and even back then, in general, acting styles were more over the top, which is exactly why Brando came in and tried to, like, you know, minimize everything. But um, Cage has actually mentioned his love of classic film. He's a big classic film buff. And I think that he's just trying to bring that same kind of style to the modern time. And he's actually talked about it before. So when he was promoting his film Frozen Ground, he spoke to The Guardian, and he was saying that when he was young, his father would set up a little projection for him, and he would watch classic films like Nosferatu and The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which are two movie titles that I haven't typed since college. <laughs> <laughs> um, but about these films, Cage said, uh, quote, I said, okay, can I do that today? If you look at Vampire's Kiss, it's all about the memory of Nosferatu, the Germ Germanic expressionistic acting style. And that's what I'm saying. Like, Cage is so in on it that he's not just, like, flailing his arms around, like, some random thing. That's, like, a callback to fucking Nosferatu. Yeah. Like, he's <laughs> so... Yes! Here you go. The killer's a literature professor. He cuts off little chunks from his victims' bodies until they die. He calls himself the deconstructionist. That's kind of good. I like that. See, I was kidding, Donald. Um, so I think, like we said, Cage knows exactly what his performance is making him look like and what people think of him, and he doesn't care. Do you know how many other actors can say that? Leo? No. no. Clooney? No. Gosling? Fuck no, B. Just Cage. Yeah. Only he goes 200%, even when people are like, why are you doing that? And he's just like, I don't even care anyway. Even if the movie doesn't warrant him going 200%, no. he'll still The character it. warrants it, Alice. Yeah, yeah. The character warrants it. He does it for the character. I feel like, you know, all these Hollywood actors, they show up, it's like, right, I've got a job. What, is, what do I do? But I feel like with Cage, he's like, what can I add to this character yeah. to make the film better? Like, Agreed. what can I change about this film to make it the best it can be? Yeah. And it, like, people don't get it. People don't understand... No, because they think he's just like, oh, look at him watch being crazy. More cage films, yes, you get it. If you just see one or two, you're like, this is weird. If mm -hmm. you watch his entire thing, you his realize ilbra. what he's doing. Yes. You know? And I think it's funny because like Cage is also in on the joke, but he's also taking it all really, really seriously. Like, yeah. On the one hand, he is on the in on the joke, and he knows that he's being ridiculous. But on the other hand, he's gonna be ridiculous as seriously as he can because he knows that that's 
gonna be the right thing for the character. Acting. Yes, man. So, um, so this is, oh, this is from that multiglom.com. Anne Bilson is the author's name. Uh, so this is just perfectly, um, uh, encapsulating how serious, uh, Cage takes his roles, which we know back in the day he was really, uh, serious, uh, method acting where he would, you know, get really into yeah, that yeah. and, and he doesn't really do that as much anymore, but, um, so this was back in the day. Um, she says, quote, this is about Ann Bilson meeting Cage. I met him in 1985 while he was doing publicity for Birdie. Rumors he'd had four teeth pulled for his role as a Vietnam veteran with severe facial injuries turned out to be true. Quote, they were baby teeth, he told me, so I took advantage of it and had them out. I thought it would add an interesting dimension to the role. Did he they also... ever grow back? Did the teeth grow well, back? Well, they were baby teeth. They just, you just have to get them out anyway. Okay. Well, because that... Remember, he had really messed up teeth when he started. That happened to my dad once, where when he was a kid, the dentist was like, oh, I'm going to pull these, uh, like, baby teeth out, and it, like, you're... Or oh, he's going to pull out some teeth, mm. and some these other ones will grow back, and it'll be fine. And they never did. Now he's just got, like, <laughs> missing teeth, like, in his mouth. I guess the dentist life. just thought they were baby teeth, and they were yeah, actually yeah, they adult They were just adults. <laughs> Is it, was his dentist Dr. Death? <laughs> it was Nick Cage. Oh, God. <laughs> like, if he's... You know, I read something today where it was um, in Leaving Las Vegas where he obviously wasn't getting drunk the whole day, but he did have a drunk coach who was just this, like... <laughs> just this alcoholic. Yes, this alcoholic poet who just followed him around everywhere on set. And the the guy would get drunk and would say these amazing things and Cage would just take it and watch him and do exactly what he was doing on the so screen. Funny. So in Leading Las Vegas, when Cage has the scene where he says, you know, don't kick the bar, you lean into the bar. That's something that that guy actually said. <laughs> <laughs> that he just like took word for word. Um, so I saw this uh, review from an online film critic called Vern who describes Cage's style as mega acting. And I think that's exactly right. That's how I would describe his style. Mega acting. Mega acting. It's yeah. like acting plus. I just really liked this quote. This was a recent quote. Uh, so, quote, uh, it was for an interview in Variety. Cage said, um, quote, Cage shot down a question about going overboard in certain scenes by explaining that he sets the bar for exaggeration, exaggerated performances. This is Cage talking now. You know, what does the term over the top even register? You show me where the top is and I'll let you know whether I'm over it or not, all right? I design where the top is. So last but not least, I'll get to my last point about why Cage is an amazing thespian. Uh, so, okay, this was a good point that they made in the talk that I thought, the talk that I saw about Cage. Um, so, look at Robert De Niro in Taxi Driver. Look at Marlon Brando in uh, Streetcar Named Desire. There's aspects, especially Al Pacino, about all of their performances that are really over the yeah, top. Yeah, I could see Al Pacino in Especially Goodfell Al Pacino. Well. And they've all burnt out. I mean, Brando's dead, R.I.P. Yeah, and they're uh, not making good films no. anymore. They're I mean, shit. Uh, Meet the Fockers for Robert De Niro. Uh, Al Pacino was in Jack and Jill. <laughs> Did you Say notice? Say hello to my chocolate blend. God, that's his, that's his go-to line in Jack and Jill. That, I mean, Jack and Jill, like, <laughs> this is exactly where I'm going back to that quote about burning out. Like, the, they were amazing actors and people when all agreed. Young. Yeah, that they were amazing actors, right? But why wasn't Cage given the same? Cage is to be fair. Them. Cage is better than them. To be fair, and when Cage was first starting up, out, people were like, "Oh, he's the new up and coming thing." To be fair, like in the nineties, right? Yeah. Um, if anything, his meme status just makes him even better because 
Well, I actually have a quote about that. Well, that's the thing. It's like, so he's all-rounded good, I think, because he's good in an acting sense, and he's still cranking out good films to this day. Yeah. He also has a whole audience of, like, young people Mm -hmm. that like him ironically. Exactly. Which makes him, like, godlike, like a hero of the internet, you know? Yeah. He's got, like, people... Like, there's... He's all well-rounded, you know. You can like him from many angles. No matter what angle you're looking at him, like, it's still... It's still good. Enjoyable. It's still good. No, man. I'm going to stay at Caroline's tonight. A little push, push in the bush. (laughs) So I thought, um... Now, this is the last thing. I thought, because there are so many good Cage quotes out there, because Cage is such an amazing... Just the way he talks is so amazing. That I might do a new little segment for our episodes where we um, hit some some interesting cage quotes for some recent ones so um let's see oh this was just another quote to prove my point um from someone uh in the guardian um it just says quote he's the only actor since marlon brando that's actually done anything new with the art of acting he's successively taken us away from an obsession with naturalism into a kind of presentation style of acting that i imagine was popular with old troubadours so he's just, maybe Cage was just born in a long time. He's just next up. He's just like, yeah, he's just going over everyone's head, you know? Yeah. He's like, he's so good. People aren't even thinking about it, you know? Exactly. Uh, and they also, I also wanted to say, just like he did mention, he has mentioned his marriage stuff. It's kind of sad. Um, just referencing the divorce, he said, quote, it was a shocker for me. I definitely didn't see it coming. And those feelings had to go somewhere. So they went into the performance of Mandy. So that's where he's. Oh. Mm-hmm. What well, basically when, right before he was about to film, that is when the divorce happened, when they separated. Well, so that makes the best performance. Though, I agree. Okay. Um, and then he says, that's all I'll say. He says, looking genuinely stricken. And now it's like, wow, I'm 54 and I'm single again. I didn't see that coming. It's pretty grim. Oh. She thought you were pathetic. <laughs> that was her business, not mine. You are what you love, not what loves you. That's what I decided a long time ago. Should this all be an effort to get you with Nicolas Cage? Yeah. He's single, baby. <laughs> And he likes girls called Alice, so... Yeah? Mm. I have to make you look a little more Asian. <laughs> I need to tell this to you, okay? Because he was talking about him being single, and I don't understand. I want to find this woman, and I want to smack her on the face, because what we the don't, fuck? We don't know. We only know him from his movies. We don't know the shit that goes No, on. let me say, okay, so his moves... This is what it says in the thing. Quote, his moves might also need some work. When a female friend was over at his place recently, he showed her Vampire's Kiss, his too little known 80s horror gem about the man who believes in one night stand has turned into a vampire. I think it scared her, he said. She left. I would. What? That's what I'm saying. I want to find that woman. date. Watching Vampire's Kiss with With Nicolas Cage? Cage? Are you kidding me? At his weird, crazy house? That's the dream. Whatever woman. I hate you. You like squandered a. Something we something would, that we would pay a lot of money. I, I would I would I would pay cut off my arm to do that. to do that. I would pay everything that I have to do that to watch a movie with Nicolas Cage. To have him to watch Vampire's Kiss with Nick Cage. Commentary. Watch oh. his favorite movie and my oh. favorite movie while he tells me that all the scenes that are missing from it. Oh like, yeah. See every cop movie ever made for other examples of this. Mom called it psychologically taught. Um. 
Okay, this is it. This is it. This is what I want to talk to you about, the memes. So he does talk about that. So he says it goes both ways. Um, the internet supercuts kept me relevant to a generation that is entirely about YouTube. On the other hand, these larger-than-life facial expressions are made into something called memes. <laughs> he something says, called memes. <laughs> he says, rolling the word memes around in his mouth disdainfully. But I don't have any umbrage about it. I'm going to give it my all every time. And I think people know that now. Oh, Isn't he so sweet? He's a good guy. Um, I hope. He is! <laughs> Imagine me and you. I do. Come on. I think about you day and night. It's only right. Come on, sing with me. To think about the one you love and hold her tight. But I'll end it with saying that the uh, writer of this Guardian article, um, he all he could talk about was how surprised about how like normal Cage seemed in person. Mm. And um, so he said, quote, yet what he what has been consistent is that Cage himself has been seen as one of Hollywood's last eccentrics. And yet in person, he comes across a surprisingly eccentric. In fact, he seems, quote, boring, right? No, no, I really am, he says. And he looks so anxious again that I want to hug him. I think maybe he was more eccentric in his like younger youth. years. Yeah, in his young when he was like, Terry oh, I'm Logan fucking days. rich and I've got all this money and I'm going to go crazy. But he's like a 50 year old man now. You but know? I he's like, like a chill I respect Cage too because I mean, like, the whole reason his name is Cage is that he didn't want people associating him with his famous uncle. Like, that takes a lot of guts. Yeah, I think he's got a lot of integrity. I think guy. so too. Um,. The article ended in a really great way, though, where the uh, Guardian writer was basically saying that he, when he was a kid, he memorized all of Cage's lines in Moonstruck and would just, like, go around and, like, try to do the crazy performances. And so he blurts out to Cage, he was just like, I, I used to do your scenes from Moonstruck, like, when I was a kid. And, he, and Cage was like, do it! And it was literally, like, that scene in the room where, where he's making him do, like, oh, no, wait, maybe that was in the book. Yeah, that was in the book. A disaster artist. Oh, that was the disaster. Okay, yeah. Anyway, Cage is like, do it, do it, do it. And they're in this, like, huge, you know, like, ho fancy hotel, like, <laughs> like <laughs> the restaurant or something like that. And so the guy does it. And then, like, halfway through, Cage just stands up and starts shouting the same lines with him. <laughs> and Cage says, uh, quote, you brought it back to me. That was fantastic, he says, applauding when we really finish. I stammer apologies for my terrible acting, but he, sh acting, but he shakes his head. No, that was great. You really committed. Yes! <laughs> that would have made that guy's, like, life, you know? That would have made my have... life. I, I want to do that. I want to have that experience, but with vampires, kid. I want to... I just... I would love to spend an afternoon with Nicolas Cage. He seems like a sweet man. We hope. God damn it, Alice! <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ending I just don't, I don't like getting my hopes up. I'm, I'm always prepared for tragedy. Oh my god. <laughs> well... Any final thoughts on adaptation or the fact that I will always contend that Cage is an amazing actor? Um, yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. I'll fight anybody That's who it. says otherwise. Yeah. I, I wouldn't go that far, but... I will. To the death. I'd verbally fight with them. <laughs> I don't know if I'd... I'd physically. I would physically put hands on someone. <laughs> <laughs> Depends who they were. But, yeah. I'd physically yeah. put hands on that lady that walked out and was like, Ooh, why are you showing me a vampire's kiss? Oh no! I'd beat the shit out of that. What? Who? Who? Who are you, ma'am? Get out of it. Get out of here. Deserve to be in this. No. All right, but yeah, I'd All right. go see adaptation. Go, go see adaptation. Nicolas Cage is an amazing actor. Don't believe anybody that says otherwise. 
and this was Nicholas's cage. Da, 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 da. gonna play me someone not too fat i like that gerard depardieu but can he not do the accent anyway it's done and that's something so kaufman drives off from his encounter with amelia filled for the first time with hope i like this this is good What if that's like how you started all your days? It's just like, I want to show you something I've been working on. It's just like full Gregorian chant. <laughs>